Welcome to Positivity Strategist, a podcast that injects a good deal of optimism and possibility into your life at home and at work. Conversations with thought leaders and everyday people shine the light on what works and amplifies those everyday micro moments of positivity, irrespective of what else is going on. You'll be energized by lots of practical tips, inspiring you to live a truly satisfying and meaningful life. Today, my guest is Andy Hayes, and Andy is in Portland, Oregon. Andy, thank you so much for joining me today from Portland. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everyone. (laughs) Great. So Andy has an online tea business, and it's called PlumDeluxe.com. So that's going to be a fun thing to talk about, tea, because I'm a tea drinker, and it seems that so many more people are also turning to tea. I'm excited to explore that trend with Andy. However, what excited me about the possibility of this conversation is how Andy has branded himself with a particular philosophy that he says is enabled by quietly sipping tea. Andy subscribes to the belief that the key to living a life you love is all about making time every day for great moments. And now I quote from Andy, from a mindful minute with yourself to special occasions shared with friends and family. And Andy loves to share fresh ideas for living the good life, which you'll find about you'll find more of these on his website, plumdeluxe.com. So, Andy, over to you. Please tell me what it is that you do. Well, thank you, firstly, for such an elegant introduction. I I really enjoyed listening to that, and I really enjoy listening to your podcast because um, it reminds me of a job I used to have, and I used to work with a lot of Australians and New Zealanders. (laughs) Great. And so just just conversating with you is a joy, so thank you. That's so nice. Thank you, Andy. Um, What is your favorite tea to drink, by the way? Well, I'm not so much a blend tea person. Um, I like black teas and green teas, mm-hmm. straight mm-hmm. from the kind of the, the leaf, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Good choices, good choices. Yeah. Uh, so what do I do? Well, I am the founder and creator of the platform that you have so wonderfully introduced as Plum Deluxe. Um, sometimes I call myself a producer, which is someone who figures out how all of the pieces fit together. But I really see myself as someone leading a community, sharing a message, trying to understand uh, this philosophy that I've sort of, uh, as you say, branded myself with. Plum Deluxe started as, you know, just a small online magazine, a place where I could share my opinions, my perspectives. Uh, Really, I, you know, I started my business because I wanted to create a better life for myself. And it's kind of turned into... It's not kind of, it's turned into helping other people do the same. And it's really grown from being a small online blog slash magazine to now having our own signature product, which is, as you mentioned, the tea business, which is um, in over half the country, you know, more new and exciting things coming. So I have an awesome job. What do I do? (laughs) I get to do all these awesome things all day and on the weekends. (laughs) That's great. Sounds like you have a lot of creative outlets. So let me just go a little bit deeper. So it's interesting to hear that you started with a magazine and now you're selling a product, which is tea and a lifestyle too. So how did that come about? What's your story? Mm. 
Well, you know, I'll talk about the business aspect first and then I'll kind of roll into how I got into that whole thing. Okay, great. When I started working for myself, I really wasn't sure what I wanted to do. Really wasn't sure what my value was. You know, you know, the great thing is being, a, you know, independent entrepreneurial freelancing free agents, you can do whatever you want. And that's a pretty scary thing. You know, it's kind of, it's too big. So I felt like in the beginning, the process of writing some of the things I was feeling helped me explore where I wanted to go. Um, maybe not the fastest way to get there, but I definitely got here via that route was writing. Mm-hmm. But my story. So I used to be a technology guy. I worked in enterprise software, which is just huge, huge software projects that affect, you know, hundreds of thousands of people. So think of, you know, the world's biggest companies trying to pay their payroll, mm-hmm. you know, to 200,000 staff on the same day kind of mm-hmm. thing. So these are the projects I was involved in. And that was a really great career. I had that career for years. And you want to name the, the company? World. It used to be PeopleSoft. It's uh-huh. now part of Oracle. Right. And that um, just gives us a sense of the scale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, I, I love that job. I had I worked with those, you know, awesome Australians, as I mentioned, <laughs> and I traveled the world. I made a lot of money, had, had, a, had a great time. And what happened to me was two particular things. I, uh, I was caught up in two different corporate acquisitions slash mergers. The first was uh, the one that was kind of popped up, PeopleSoft turning into Oracle. And then the second, because when PeopleSoft became Oracle, <clears throat> my client actually hired me. So I, I had the same job, basically, but I was working for someone else. And then I got caught up in the European banking crisis. So I guess it's useful to mention I was living in Europe at the time. I lived there for in both Amsterdam and uh, Edinburgh, Scotland for many years. And, I'm envious. Uh, <laughs> I'm envious of that part of your life. Both uh, both uh, Amsterdam and Edinburgh were amazing. Yeah. Really, really beautiful. I'm yeah. very grateful for uh, seeing them as that local. They're, they're, they're beautiful places as a tourist, but they're even more rich and have a lot of depth. Mm. As uh, You know, they're very old cities, so it's yeah. a lot to explore. So I got caught up in a uh, in the European banking crisis that happened uh, well, 2005, 2006-ish. Mm-hmm. And um, found myself in a job working environment that I found quite toxic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I worked with people who were pretty negative, um, a lot of aggression, passive aggressive nature, people out on health issues with stress all the time, like kind of just status quo. And at this time, I was really thinking to myself, yeah, I was hearing voices in my head, not literally, but people who I'd worked with over the years who said, you'd be such a great entrepreneur. You're so good on your feet. You know, you're so, you know, you think ahead, you know, like you should really, that's where you should be. And And I knew these were people who were, you know, PeopleSoft consultants, they made six figures and they worked six months a year. And, uh, you know, so the, so it was pretty enticing, but I always thought that I was not good enough mm. to do that job, to be responsible for my own affairs. I was not good enough for that. And what this really toxic job made me understand and appreciate was that actually, you know, working in a job that made me sick, I had physical health symptoms from that job, migraines, um, I would pass out often, <laughs> like on a, I passed on a public bus once. That's not something I'd like to repeat. Goodness me. And um, yeah, and, and, and I thought, well, if we're looking at the, the concept of risk, and I, if I'm thinking I'm not responsible enough to you know, manage the risk of Your you know, own running. Hill. Yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, the riskiest thing is in a job that makes you sick, not going out there and trying to do your best on your own. Yeah. 
so that's what that this whole that whole experience taught me. And so that's when I decided to leave and start my own thing. Mm-hmm. And I, of course, had no idea what I wanted to do. I had no idea. I, I did know that I had done big software for long enough that it was time for something new and maybe something a little more mm-hmm. soulful, enriching, maybe just, you know, digging a little deeper. Yeah. And so that's how I got started on this path. So, you know, saying to yourself, I'm not good enough, I think that is such a common feeling that many people have. Have you any idea of where that came from? I, that's a good question. You know, I think the media, and, and we have to remember we're back in 2005, 2006. Yeah. You know, 10 years ago, right? Mm-hmm. Ten, 10, yeah, almost 10 years. Yeah, ten. Mm-hmm. it is 10 years ago. Goodness. <laughs> Um, <laughs> You've been having fun ever since, it seems. <laughs> yeah, yeah, time flies. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think at the time, you know, there was a lot of media saying how terrible the economy was, how scared everyone should be, uh-huh. how hard, how everything is hard right now. Right. So I think I buy it into that hype cycle mm-hmm. too much. Mm-hmm. And people who, who are listening to this who know me know that I have a huge bugbear with the news, you know, I don't like the news. The news mm-hmm. is too negative, and that's mm-hmm. no surprise to you. I'm sure you agree with me, Robin. It's mm-hmm. Just way too negative and too fearful. Yes, and so I, I, I agree with you, Andy. <laughs> yeah, and so I think I really listened too much to the people that said it was too hard instead of finding out for myself. Mm-hmm. At what point then did you begin to develop the confidence in yourself, or you know, it grew that? Because, you know, what you've been doing ever since, and I know that you've done some other very fun things by virtue of, you know, our earlier talk and what I've found out about you in the research, like, you know, writing, um, publishing a book on tourism in Scotland and, you know, doing a lot of writing. So, you know, what was the process for you to shift from that very toxic environment that was really threatening your health to finding the creative juices within yourself and finding a new flow. Can you just kind of walk us through what that was like? You know, what's it been like for you to get from there to here? Mm. I'd love to because I want people to feel empowered to follow the same path if they so choose. Super, okay. So for me, it started with finding some space. I really needed some space to figure out my next move. Right. You know, Oprah, Oprah always says, you know, you just have to figure out the next right move. You know, what is your next right move? And so I was focused on what is the next right move? And I knew that it was leaving, but I needed to figure out a few more pieces of that detail before I did that. You know, to have that confidence to say, like, nope, don't need that paycheck. You know, that's a pretty big thing. So mm-hmm. you got to kind of work into it. And so what I immediately did is I asked to switch to my working hours. And so I was living in Edinburgh. And so in Great Britain, it is very common to work different days of the week and compress your hours. So, for example, I worked a 35-hour week over five days. But I could work 35 hours in four days and have Friday off or Monday off or Wednesday off, you know, whatever you wanted. Mm-hmm. And so I said, if I can get three days of the week together clear, I can get my head together. Mm-hmm. I can get myself, I can get back up. So that's what I did. And it was no problem. You know, the universe really supported me and, you know, like got that approved, no problem. And mm-hmm. so um, I got that day off. And so what I, and then what I found is that in Edinburgh, there was this group of entrepreneurs that had coffee every Friday morning at seven o'clock or no, eight o'clock, really early. I'm not that much of a morning guy. So that's, it was pretty early, especially to get up, walk across town and be presentable at <laughs> this group. So <laughs> it was a challenge for me. But, you know, I said, you know, I, I, I know these people can help me, you know, figure this out, like get me on, 
on the right track. So I went every Friday, like religiously went to this group of coffee entrepreneur thing. And I was honest with them. You know, I said, I'm in this job. I'm really not happy. I really want to do my own thing. And I I have to get out. Mm -hmm. And I need any and all advice and opportunities that you have. And so I just listened to them. I listened to everything that everyone said and just soaked it up. And so people would tell me things like, well, could you transition your skills? So continue to work on the things you do now for a little while as you build your new opportunities. And I was like, yes, I can do that. I have a great contact network. I've been doing this job for years. Yes, I can do that. And then people would also like coach me and help me think about, you know, what my what kind of business that I really want to own. You know, what does that look like in five years, in 10 years, which is here now. <laughs> and it doesn't look anything like that. But, <laughs> you know, and they really gave me the confidence to really talk to people and talk to people who might want to read a magazine like I was thinking about creating or might want to listen to stories and articles that I might write about. And so they really helped get me off of that ledge. So I think the key right in that um, space, right in the beginning was getting the space, Mm -hmm. the headspace, the even a little physical distance, you know, like being at home an extra day of the week to get my head around that. And then the other key really was that that transition of saying, okay, uh, when I leave, I'm going to be open to taking opportunities that are related to my old work, even though that will silly go away, which will afford me the income and connections to continue my new work. And so that's exactly what happened. And there's another piece in there, Andy, too, that I picked up from that. And yes. thank you for you know going to this detail because it's extremely helpful and encouraging for anyone who may be feeling the same or thinking they're in the same situation, that you... You were smart enough to find a supportive network of people. Oh, yes. So critical. Yeah. Even so, now. Even yeah. now. You know, you do need those kind of support groups and people talk about mastermind groups and so on, but it's how you can think with people because you can't do it on your own. Yeah. And I think the key is to have people who will encourage and support you. Yeah. Uh, irregardless, however, will also tell you what you need to hear. I think we have a lot of friends in our circles who are probably a little more risk averse than Mm -hmm. us entrepreneurial types. Mm -hmm. And so they might be a little gun shy. You need people who will say, wow, that's like a that's a risk. But Robin, you can do it. If anybody can make this happen, you can. Mm -hmm. But you also need people to say, you know, I want to just mention this one thing. Like maybe you're overlooking this or this could help you avoid a failure, be more successful. Yeah. So people like that are so, so critical. So Absolutely. Critical. So I'm sure in that time, how long did that last? The way you had walked across town to have these breakfasts? Oh, probably <laughs> six, six or eight months. Wow. Okay. But I'm uh, sure in that time, Andy, that any doubt that you had about not good enough or the external environment being very adverse to people kind of starting over must have been dispelled to some degree. You would have built up some resiliency in that time. Oh, yes, because I saw these people who are wildly successful and yeah. happy. And I thought, well, <laughs> well, that's a way to get if, you going. Yeah, I thought, heck, if these people are up at seven in the morning having a great time and talking about their fun clients and their fun projects and these, what I really loved was I was seeing collaborations of people who had disparate nice. interests who, you know, the ideas bump together and they come up with something new. And I was just... I was loving it. And I thought, man, like I want a part of this. This is so much better than where I'm coming from. Of course, I've left eventually, (laughs) but that's uh, obvious. And in the beginning, I just said yes to every opportunity that found its way to me. 
I don't say yes now to every opportunity or otherwise I would be very busy and I'm already very busy. <laughs> but I just said yes to the things that I thought would help me along. What sort of things were they? Were they so, yeah. so here I was, I, I knew I wanted this platform that now is called Plum Deluxe. So I was writing on there all the time. But uh, as you know, Robin, you can't just like set up shop on the internet and people show up. You have to really kind of work your way up there. Mm -hmm. So uh, Scotland's all tourism. So I had a lot of people from tourism contacting me wanting to do projects, wanting my expertise in the things I had known in the software world. You know, I've had a a lot of experience with um, user testing and usability. I had a lot of experience with customer feedback, like trying to build in feedback loops. And people had known this, you know, because I worked at a very big company uh, in Scotland. And so people just knew that these projects existed. They had a lot of press around them. So I got a lot of inquiries on these tourism projects. And I love them because it was like putting my skills that I had had for years to Mm -hmm. work in projects that were fun. Like, how do we get more people to visit this beach that's black? How do we get more people to take this train? You know, like, it's really fun, like really just felt really good. And I was supporting really small businesses in in the country. The government was paying for a lot of these projects. So it was fantastic. And then things started happening. Like someone asked me, (laughs) someone who had heard about me at this entrepreneurial group saw my blog and said, we need someone to write this, this book, like a traditionally published book. Would you be interested? And I thought, this is 2006. This is probably more like seven, (laughs) seven and a half. Oh, and, you were very early <laughs> in the blog space, right? Yeah, yeah, but I was living in a small place and, you know, just right place at the right time. And I thought, wow, did someone just offer me a book deal? Like, <laughs> how did that happen? So it's a very small book. I didn't make anything off of it, but, you know, I feel very proud to say that I'm a traditionally published author. Mm. It's a walking guide to Edinburgh, Scotland, and it's uh, really cute and just includes a lot of my quips. I had blogged about being in a walking group in Edinburgh, so that's what... Uh, It prompted this person to say, oh, this guy would be perfect. You know, he knows he's walking around all the time. So this would be perfect. So, I mean, for me, that would have been such an opportunity to think, well, if I can do this for Scotland or for Edinburgh, let me go to Amsterdam and do this. Let me go to Paris and do this. Let me go to London and do this (laughs) so that you could travel the world by writing these walking guides of these fantastic cities. That didn't occur to you? Hmm, that's an interesting question, Robin. I like where you're going with that. So when I worked at PeopleSoft, I traveled 50 weeks a year. Oh, okay. You're sick of it? So I knew my limits and I really, and remember I I said earlier in the story that I really thought a lot about the kind of business that I wanted to have, the kind of lifestyle that I wanted that business to give me and traveling 50 weeks a year was not it. I hear you. I like the, I like, see, I'm kind of an interesting one Mm -hmm. because I have been, you know, in so many places. So I like the freedom to be able to go somewhere. If I wanted to go to Paris next week, I could, in theory, I really could, but I don't, I don't want to. Mm, Yeah, I hear you. So I like having the door unlocked, but Mm -hmm. You know, I'm, I'm, I manage it because I just, I don't want to overdo it. Well, I just jumped in with my own preference there, so forgive me. I wasn't very gracious. But <laughs> no, I do want to jump absolutely. in again. I love it. Jump, you jump. Because Let's jump around. Jump around. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and thank you. I've got to say, Andy, I want to thank you so much for being comfortable with just an organic conversation and not having questions sent to you in advance. I, I oh, find it very boring. difficult that's to boring. operate that way. So <laughs> it's just where the energy takes us. So thanks for yeah. your flexibility. Absolutely. But the thing that I wanted to come back to, because when you're talking again about your process, because people's process is of great interest to me, how people 
think and feel and behave and all that kind of stuff. When you were going through those conversations with your the successful buddies that you had collaborating with and having thinking partners, and then when you wanted to build a platform and you did, you're actually building on your existing strengths and using, you know, transferring your skills to a different context that was a context that was really energizing you. And I think that's the secret to be able to do the work that you love. Take all those things that you know and that you've learned and you've had life experience and then what's the context that will enable you to do that so you can live a life that's meaningful to you and to others and gives you the freedoms to be able to make different choices. Mm-hmm. 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 So it's that context reframe. That's what I'm hearing worked for you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes. I love it when you jump in. You should just jump in. You jump in whenever you like. Thank you. I wish we were together. This is such an engaging, uh, just energizing well, conversation. I we, wish we were had the same teapot. And so fun. <laughs> well, we, do that sometime. metaphorically, <laughs> we have. I mean, that's what you're trying to create, right? That's Yeah, so absolutely. If we, absolutely. <laughs> if we fast track to present day, which is a lovely segue, you've just given us that opportunity, to the community that you're building um, with plumdeluxe.com and what you're sharing there. Why don't mm. we talk about that? Are you, let's, uh, let's do let's. that. Okay, great. So I'm going to bring one thread with us. Mm-hmm. So when I was originally blogging, and, and this, it's really interesting because I had not thought about this in a long time until you and I had talked a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. The thing that I originally blogged about on Plum Deluxe, and it wasn't Plum Deluxe at the time. I think it was like my website for a while, and it just it kind of wandered. I was writing about why is it that we are better versions of ourselves when we're uh, on vacation? Yes. 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 Yeah. And that's a really interesting thing to talk about. Absolutely. And I think I was a little too philosophical in the beginning. <laughs> you, you know, that is an interesting conversation. Why are we so great people on vacation? And I just, I realized and decided that what I wanted to do was to try to. I hate to say educate, but just try to demonstrate or talk to people and share some conversations around taking that energy and bringing it back with you, putting it in the suitcase and putting it, bringing it back with you. So that our conversation is more about how do we live like we're on vacation, you know, all the time, but, you know, not to excess, of course, but, you know, I'm not asking people to drink margaritas for breakfast, but, (laughs) you know, I am trying to say like, how can you have a little fun every day? Mm Mm-hmm. So that was the big like, aha. And a big thing that tied into that was my mom. And so anyone who visits Plum Deluxe, you know, has probably read the about page and they'll hear a little story about my mother, who I lost uh, a few years ago to breast cancer. And while that doesn't sound like very much fun, (laughs) and I don't think it was, she actually provided me with a lot of the insights and inspirations behind that whole philosophy, which you mentioned at the very beginning of the call, which is about making moments that matter. How do we live a good life? How do we create moments that we share with friends and family? And, you know, some context to that, what I I kind of remembered seeing these things as a kid, you know, the, my mom made cakes for a living as a side gig when I was a kid. And we would always get to have these little cakes, you know, like the extra batter. She would make these little cakes just, you know, to celebrate like it's Saturday. So we're going to have a cake. 
So I grew up with this kind of this philosophy or this kind of um, impression that we should celebrate anything we want. You know, it doesn't have to be milestones. We can also remember that the small things are also, you know, worth celebrating. Yeah. And I hadn't thought about that much, you know, as an adult. And uh, when my mom got sick, I actually, I saw her kind of go back to those roots, go back to those things of celebration of mindful moments. To use some examples, she was uh, spending so much time with her girlfriend. She really, really relied on her support network, which totally showed up for her. They would go out and dye their hair together. They would would go go run 10K races. They would just go and do all these fun things. And I thought like, wow, like so much fun. Like it's just... It's just a, you know, a, a miracle. This it looks so amazing. These guys, these gals are just having so much fun and on their own, they're like their sixties. And I thought they're acting like they're 23 years old. <laughs> and what I, what I realized that lesson in that experience was that if those gals who are that age and many of them in really poor health could have the time of their lives, then why can't uh, those of us who have perfectly fine health and don't have any major limitations you know, so that was the real eye opener. And it, and it was important for me. It was really critical for me because it helped me pour a better foundation around what I was talking about at Plum Deluxe. It made it really clear that I was talking about moments that matter, that I was trying to help people understand how to connect better with themselves and with their friends and their family. And everything that we do needs to tie back to this. Mm. You know, the listeners can read that story on plumdeluxe.com because um, you talk about you talk about that, which is um, very lovely. And she went racing off to Paris, didn't she? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah she um, she called me this one day and said, "I'm uh, I'm going to book a flight to Paris. Do you want to go with me?" And I and she lives in this she, at the time lives in the states. So I, I said, "Well." Sure. When are you when are you going? And I, it's her favorite place. So I, you know, this wasn't like all that unusual. Mm-hmm. And she said, "I'm leaving tomorrow night." And I, <laughs> and I said, "Well, well, you know, I kind of that's some kind of in a bind. I have some obligation, you know, client obligations. I can't really do that." And she's like, "Oh, it's fine. You know, we'll have a great time. You know." And she told me a couple of places she was going to go to, and I thought, "Yeah, yeah, that's no surprise. Like your usual spots." So she jets off to Paris, you know, the next night, comes home, and passes then like the next Tuesday. Oh my goodness. I know it's, it's like it's breathtaking. And I think she just must've known she had those airline miles stocked away and she just must've gotten the hit. Like I got to, you didn't go with her. I didn't, but she had a great time. And so this, yeah. So did she go with anyone? She took her sister and her cousin, her usual traveling companions. And they had a, they had a hoot and holler. They went to all kinds of funny places. They, her family line is German, so she went to the you know the town where they're all from, and mm-hmm. so they had a really good time. So, mm. so yeah, so she lived it up. So, oh, that really brings home, you know, brings to life um, the philosophy that you put in making every making time every day for great moments, right? So, mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. that's that's a great great reminder. So, um, so how does that link back to why are why are people better versions of themselves when they're on vacation? Well, I think <laughs> I should write a book about this, Robin, you know. <laughs> well, you're a writer. Go ahead. I give yeah, you. Yeah, I'm supporting yeah. you. <laughs> oh, thank you. Uh, there's a couple of factors at play. I think we are culturally mm-hmm. conditioned that we're allowed to let our hair down when we're on vacation and not otherwise. 
at least in like the United States, Great Britain, you know, Canada, Australia, this kind of things. Mm-hmm. So we're, our culture says, yes, Robin, you can do whatever you want on vacation. But when you get home, you got to work hard mm-hmm. and you have to save your money and you have to do this. You have to do that. So I think culturally we have established those boundaries. So when people go on vacation, they just go wild because it's like, oh, thank God. Like I finally have permission to be myself. But then also on vacation, you're removed from your your everyday circumstance. So you're removed from, say, you have a job that you don't like, or maybe your kids are a handful and they're with, a, you know, with your sister for a week or, you know, whatever it is that may, you may feel that ties you down, you, you often leave behind, mm. whether it's mentally or actually at physical distance. Mm. So I think it's the combination of those two things, the cultural conditioning of, of vacations, it's okay to play, not vacation, not okay. And then the physical and emotional distance you can put between your your blocks and your things that weigh you down that allow us to be these amazing people. Yeah, that's amazing, Andy, because um, you're a little bit of an anomaly on my show because usually I'm speaking to people in my space, which is, you know, human and organization development as opposed to business owners. Yet ironically, most of the people I talk to are solopreneurs or entrepreneurs and they have their own businesses and they're consultants or trainers or authors. So, mm-hmm. you know, that that part's similar. And as I said at the outset, the thing that I was delighted when you reached out to me was your philosophy because it fits into my positivity lens, how mm-hmm. we can bring greater positivity into our life. And so the intersect for me is how do we bring our whole selves so we can be more playful, more real, more who we are into our work as opposed to separating them. I think that's why a lot of people actually go out and do their own thing, you know, set up their own business because that's what their goal is, their aspiration is, right? To It's a lifestyle that you're also building as well as a business. Mm-hmm. And I think we all know that as solopreneurs, we often end up working more than we plan to. <laughs> so the play can kind of get lost as well. So it's it's kind of like having to be remind ourselves as to why we embarked on working as independents. So maybe I'd love to hear a little bit about how you manage that investing yourself yourself in building your business and it's been through a number of iterations and it's growing. And then how do you do the play piece so that you are looking after your health again because you've been in that situation where it was suffering because you were you were overworked. So do mm-hmm. do you mm-hmm. do you think about that? Do you plan for that? I do because I'm no better at it than everyone listening. Mm-hmm. So just because I have a business that tells people slow down, treat yourself right, live a little. There's something in there about the, the teacher teaching what they need to be taught. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I'm not going to shy away and say that that's not true. But here's a great example. You know, this weekend, we're recording this on a Monday and the weekend here in Portland was the weather was dreadful. It was pouring rain and this freak windstorm that made it really just nasty to go out. And so our plans had gotten canceled. So I caught up on work. So yes, I worked on the weekend, but I now have free and clear, guilt-free permission (laughs) (laughs) 
to do something during the week on a day, maybe the sunny so that I can go and go on a hike or go on a run or go do something for four or five hours because I got something done early. I really take advantage of the fact yeah. that I can rework my hours as I need to. Mm. I think that's really important. I know, Andy, that I have to remind myself of those things, that if I choose to work over the weekend, then I can have a Friday or any day I choose, if there's a a space that's available, that I can take it and do the things that I Mm -hmm. need to do to nurture myself. And Mm -hmm. because I need to be filled up so that I can be of better service in the world. I think it is about being gentle and being kind to oneself. And that comes back again to valuing the moments that you have because, you know, like your mother, she was very smart. She made the most of it when she knew that her life had a, was coming to an end and mm-hmm. you decided to get out of your toxic career. And it sounds like, you know, you have also been quite strategic in your thinking. You you have been planful in in things that you've done. I have. And, you know, I want to point out something else. I think that a lot of these things are obvious, but let's keep talking about them because not everyone is doing them. So I think we all know that as creative professionals, as people who use our brain as the primary part of our job, you you can often solve a lot of problems by getting away from your desk. Mm-hmm. Taking care of your health is is good for business. I, I want to say it's almost required. I hate ever saying anything's required. I want people to make their own choices. But mm-hmm. in this one case, I will say that you've got to do something that's good for your health. And so for me, I have a membership to a site called Fitness Blender and they have like all these free workout videos. So you can do like yoga or fitness training like in your basement, you know, you know, your backyard, you don't even have to go anywhere. Going on a walk, especially in the summer months when it's uh, daylight savings, uh, the timing is really good for me, you know, for a late afternoon walk. And I get so many great ideas in that time. I get just as many ideas on that walk as I do on my morning meditation. Yeah. So I get 99% of my ideas by walking around or sitting around. <laughs> so, I, so I, I yeah, mm-hmm. so I really encourage people to really think a little more broadly about what practices really do support the creativity of their business and of their personhood. Because I think most people will find that it's going out and having fun or going in painting or going and doing something other than sitting and Googling things are more productive. And we all know when we hit that point, when we're just at our computer and kind of just like tap, 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 like not really getting anywhere. If that's happening, take a deep breath and go for a walk. Get away from that screen for just just take a break. You know, it's okay. It'll it'll be there when you come back. That is fantastic advice. So I'm going to now invite you. You know, I have this positivity lens activity where I like my listeners to take something away from each of my guests. So Andy, have you three tips or three strategies that you would like to share with my audience? I do. I do. I'm really excited about these. Great. Go for it. And love the lens. So I have three things and each of them could take anywhere from three minutes to maybe half an hour. Depends on how much homework you want to do. So the first one is in the next week, I want you to do one thing that feels like a treat to yourself. So that could be ice cream. It could be like kind of actually a treat. 
It could be something that just feels indulgent, like spending an hour in bed in the morning reading before you actually tackle the day. It could be calling up someone, an old friend, and just spending half an hour on the phone. Just It has to feel like a treat. So think about what feels like a treat to me and go and put that on the calendar right now. Beautiful. Just one thing. Just one thing Mm -hmm. in the the week. Mm -hmm. Just one. Just try it on. See what you think. And it has to, and if you already have something on the calendar that doesn't count, you have to add another one now. <laughs> okay. Okay. So the, the second one is I want you to think about the past week. So think about the past week. Mm-hmm. And I want you to look for anything that really doesn't suit you, doesn't help you, doesn't serve you. And some examples, I always say the news. And I say this, I have this bear with the news because so many people I meet say to me like, oh, you know, I wish I had more time to drink tea, to relax. And then I, I say, well, you know, and they're, and they're always late. They say they're always late. And I say, well, talk me through your day. And they always say, well, I get up and I watch the news for half an hour. And I think, well, Christ, that's right there. 30 minutes. that's not serving you. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't have to be the news. I know I'm, <laughs> I complain about the news all the time, but just think about something that just is really not helpful. And think about if this week, how can you not do that? How do you get around that? So I call it a negativity audit, but you can call it whatever you want. Mm -hmm. Just think about the week and think about any times or moments that are just kind of, you know, really itchy and need to go away. Or it could be what you were suggesting earlier. You get to the point where all you're doing is just kind of browsing and knowing that you're doing it mindlessly. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Would that so, be yeah. something that you might that'd think about? Be, that'd a, be a, a great one. So just eject. Yeah. Delete that. Yeah. And I'll leave it to it since it's going to be really dependent on what it was. I'll leave you to decide what replaces it. But for now, just think about erasing it. Delete. Remove. Because mm-hmm. you'll have no trouble filling up the time. I'm I'm sure of that. So. <laughs> but it okay, really does then, ask people to be become more conscious of their habits that aren't serving them. And mm-hmm. we have tons of those. We do, we do. And because they are habits, we don't see them. Mm-hmm. They're just there. It's like, you know, we don't see that the sky is blue every day. We don't notice that we had enough oxygen in the air supply today. We don't notice that the earth remained turning while we slept. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we just trust that it's happening. So, yeah, so your rich, your routines, they can really creep up on you without you noticing. So just... Just for the last week, just take a look and think about what could change. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. And then Good. the last one is one of my favorites. So a friend of mine calls this the short list. You can do this for one week and then see how you feel. So I want you to get seven post-it notes. Seven post-it notes, one for each day. So at the, at the end of the day, I want you to write on the post-it note your favorite moments, experiences, things about that day. You might think of this as a gratitude experience, but I like to use the word favorite. Mm -hmm. That is a very intentional reason behind the word favorite because it really gets you pointed towards feelings and experiences and moments. And you know I'm all about the moments, so favorite. You could so you you could pretend you're Oprah for a day and you know, my favorite things today, you know, you can do whatever you like. You can use a colored pen you know, colored post-its, whatever you want to do. Mm -hmm. So I invite you to spend the next seven days at the end of the day grabbing that post-it and just jotting down some favorites in the day. 
And that could be you helped out a friend that really felt good. It could be maybe you showed up differently to a situation at work and you're proud of yourself. You don't even have to, you know, no one has to know what happened. You could just, you know, I'm proud of myself today for how I showed up at work. Mm. Or it could be something, you know, more physical, like taco night. (laughs) You know, if you really love your taco night, you know, that's okay. And it's a post-it, so you don't have to go deep and long. Uh, if, If you only have one thing, great. So just jot it down. So just try that for the for the next seven days. A friend of mine was doing it for a year, and it was really exciting to see her post those on her Instagram each night. Mm. What was her favorite things for the day? And it was even a more joy when I saw myself in some of them. Like I knew that the little item was about me, mm. even though I was not named. So that was really joyful. So that's like a that's like a bonus bonus homework. But just try it for a week and see what you think. And you may find that you like that practice so much you may want to get a little journal and do it all the time. But it's just something to try and see what you think. So that's my three. Oh, I love your three. Thank you very much. And with that last one, you could take pictures and for as long as you want to do it, you know, you'll end up with a fabulous record. And you'll be able to start identifying patterns too, won't you? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. A lot of these, a lot of my three and a lot of the things that I talk about at Plum Deluxe are about altering patterns. Mm. Yeah. That's yeah. there's there's a thing in there about that. That's kind of our thread for sure. Yeah. And all of that speaks to me about living more mindfully and more consciously when you're much more aware of your thought processes, your feelings and your behaviors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's great. Andy, this has really been fantastic. I have so much enjoyed this conversation. Thank you. I have too. I, your perspective on the topics you share on the show are really interesting to me because the first show I heard the words is an appreciative inquiry. Yeah. I thought that sounds really interesting. Like, <laughs> what is that? And of course I'm Googling, you know, the whole show, like what's this and what's this and uh, the positivity lens. It's all just really empowering and really fun. And, uh, and I love that even if people don't feel the need to engage with all the topics or all of the prompts that there seems to always be something of interest in every show. So thank you for creating a forum, a platform, a conversation that enables that. I feel most humbled. Thank you for saying that. Um, It's always (laughs) encouraging, you know, when you put your heart and soul into something and you have the intention of it being of great service to people, when you get that kind of feedback, it's like, whoa, you've given me energy to keep going, right? I think we Mm -hmm. all need that from time to time to support Mm -hmm. each other, just as we've spoken about. And before I say goodbye to you and remind people that links will be up on your show notes page, your episode is number 33. And the URL for this episode will be positivitystrategist.com slash PS33. Oh, oh, I love that number. Excellent. Thank you. Isn't that a beautiful number? (laughs) That's a good one. That's a good one. So, Andy, before I let you go, I would just love to ask you, what's positivity mean to you? Ah, you, you know, I love when you end with this question. It's so good because I always hear it in my head and then I, I think like, well, I know what it is, but how do you describe it to someone? Like if, uh, if an alien arrived on the planet and asked you about that, like how would you explain it? It's really interesting. And uh, the other day I did come up with something really insightful to me. And I, and thank you for the opportunity to share it because it's, 
come up for me several times because you uh, do ask it quite often. And I hope that you continue to do so because I love hearing the answers. Mm -hmm. But for me, what I pictured about positivity was that uh, we have these desires. We all have these desires in our lives and they could be big and small. So we might want a house with a two-car garage, you know, and a hot tub, you know, that that kind of desire. But it can also be you want to feel like you're you do enough every day. You want to feel like you're raising your kids well. You want to feel, you know, they're all kind of feelings. And I think that positivity is about seeing and knowing that your reality is moving into alignment with your desires. So I see almost like your desires are here on the left or the right. It doesn't matter. <laughs> you have your desires and the things that you're trying to understand. What, what do you, how do you want to feel in the world? What do you want to be in the world? How do you want to show up in the world? And then there is the world over here. On the, my, I'm holding up my right hand, mm -hmm. but you can't see me. So there's these two things. And I see positivity as that they're, the two of them are moving it together. Mm -hmm. They're moving more into alignment. So more of the things that you desire to feel, to experience, to do, to have, to share are happening. And you're becoming more clear about what you do want. Because of course, when I say desires and how do we want to feel and what do we want and what do we want to do, often it's easier to identify in some places the things that we don't want. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's a little bit of a journey to find the things that we do. But I find that whole process of just the moving together of what we want and what's reality and shaping that is is how I view positivity. And I think it's still interesting. It's interesting that I came up with that definition because it kind of surprised me. I, I wasn't sure I would have defined it that way. But once I thought about it, it felt right. So thank you for letting me share it. Oh, I love that. Positivity is actually a practice. Oh, which, beautiful. Which Positivity uh, is actually a, a practice. practice. Oh, thank you. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, and it's a movement. And so when you describe reality and what you desire and the two are coming together and they begin to overlap, you know, it is that movement, that practice of making it real for yourself. And so it's through the language that we use. How do you describe things? Are you, and it's so interesting you say that you don't want to watch the news because it has this negativity around it. So if we pay very careful attention to the language we use, we are moving and practicing moving to a more positive place for ourselves. The habits, the behaviours that we exhibit, the interactions and the relationships that we have how we invest our time. So all of these things are about behaviours and underpinning it all is, of course, feelings. And feelings have energy. And so when we have this sense of positivity, it's almost energising and exciting and uplifting like laughter and joy and excitement through to something that's sipping a cup of tea and is very savouring and meaningful and quiet and tranquil. So all of those things are the range of emotions that you can, positive emotions. And so it's understanding that. So you don't have to always be out there rah-rahing and, you know, carrying on. But, you know, enjoying <laughs> mm -hmm. those very quiet moments um, enables our positivity ratio and strengthens us to be um, more resilient and be more resourceful, not only to ourselves but to others. Have you actually seen my TEDx talk? 
You know, I I know because I saw that's how I found you, your podcast. And instead of watching the TED talk, I actually got into the podcast and I never went back. So I'm going to that's such a beautiful ending to this conversation. So I'm going to go and watch that and put the kettle on. (laughs) (laughs) Because when you see when you watch that, your description of those two spheres moving towards each other to overlap is what I actually talk about. It's talking about self other overlap. And that's what happens when we really begin to cultivate our own positivity. So beautiful. I'm glad we got to have this piece of the conversation. Yes, beautiful. Thank you. Okay. World changing. Okay. Thank you, Andy. Absolutely. Okay. Bye now. Bye. You'll find the show notes to this episode at positivitystrategist.com slash PS33. And now let's go to our Positivity Lens activity for this lovely episode with Andy Hayes of Plum Deluxe. And I encourage you to actually download the Positivity Lens activity notes on this show notes page and invite you to think about some of these lovely tips that Andy gave us. So I invite you to think about your favorite tea moments. So first one, Andy suggests that you treat yourself each day. Pick something that's a little bit indulgent for you and you'll know what that is, whether it's calling a friend or eating something and just doing something special that gives you joy. Build it into your daily activity. And number two is think back over the last week and check out any negative influences that came up for you and remove them. So the, the idea here is to delete anything that doesn't serve you, doesn't serve you or upsets you. And so what are some of those things? And begin to consciously remove them from your life. And the third tip that Andy gave us was to create a daily short list. Try it for a week or longer and write up the favorite moments that you have each day that associate for you what's a favorite activity. And just start to notice how these can compound and you will build these upward spirals of positivity as you begin to notice more and more the things that you really enjoy and work for you. Also, you can be notified of new episodes by email. Links to all these suggestions are available on positivitystrategist.com forward slash podcast thank you for listening and remember what you focus on grows so grow towards your best